Hello, and welcome to Second Helpings, a Grace Fellowship podcast designed to serve up another round of insight and application from our Sunday morning corporate worship gatherings. Pull up, dig in, and get filled as we take another taste of God's greatness. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Second Helpings. I'm Pastor Zach, joined by Pastor Dan, and we're going to look over this week's past service here. We had a, a couple days ago. We're filming weird, Dan. Are you going to be able to remember? We usually film on Monday, now yeah. on Tuesday. I'm going to try to adapt. I took vitamins. There you go. There you go. <laughs> we might, we'll pull out the service online just to make sure we get it right if we have to. <laughs> um, but this past week, we were looking at 2 Timothy chapter 3, um, looking at verses 6 through 9, but also starting back in one mm-hmm. kind of review here, splitting up a little bit. Um, So I just kind of, a couple of things for us to go over is what happened there at the beginning of chapter three to set some context. And of course, you're going to go into the, the, again, with the part two um, this weekend. Was there anything in particular, just kind of get the ball rolling again, the highlights for what you were talking about this weekend um, and some of the important things that we want to make sure that people are grabbing onto? Yeah, I think his train of thought is uh, when Kenneth did one through five, these are the characteristics, and you see it listed out, people be lovers of the self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful. So you see those characteristics, 18 of them, and at the end of that, avoid such people. So that's the kind of the toxic swamp that people are going to be like, false teachers are going to be like, false leaders are. Okay, get that. And when he says avoid such people... No one needs to tell somebody, hey, don't eat glass. Yeah, that's right. You go, well, who would eat glass? Well, the point is that you might not recognize them. Yeah. And so verses six and seven, he turns the corner and gives us some examples and characteristics of people that will fall for it, that will fall for it. If you want to avoid this, then, okay, what do I not need to be about? I have to be careful about displaying these characteristics. And then he says, for among them, those who creep into households, capture weak women, burdened with sins, led astray by various passions, always learning, never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth. And so he said there's five characteristics within that, that if you're in any of these situations, whether it's all the way from uninformed, um, all the way down through all the things we listed, um, you're a mark. Yeah. You have the potential to be a mark, just like a pickpocketer marks a tourist. You are a mark. You're going to be a victim. You're going to be a statistic. So don't fall into these characteristics. Yep. I think it's interesting when contextualizing for our day and age, some important things to think about is that we could say, well, I know people that are off, they're wrong, but I'm going to go win the battle, right? I'm going to go, I'm going to go get in the trenches with them and I'm going to show them where they're wrong and do these things. Which there, I don't think Paul is completely saying that he can't do that. Of course, he's going to tell Timothy to contend for the truth. Sure, but uh, there's a there's this point in this word of caution that I think we need to mm-hmm. think about. Is I think sometimes we have a tendency to eat glass, right? Yeah, we'll let ourselves get in with these people, and we'll get into these uh, debates. And we talked earlier about quarrels about words to where we're not making. There's no there's no profit in this whatsoever. Yeah. We need to stand for truth, and that doesn't mean that you have to get in the mud with people in order to do it. There can be a sense in which you don't need to put your pigs, your pearls before swine. Yeah, and I think you'd be careful because even in the in the context of this, where he talks about burden with sins, these and he's citing women. It doesn't have to be just women; it can be yeah. men. Burden with sins and led astray by various passions. That's a present passive. So what does that mean? It means that that's what they're presently they've been influenced passively in the past. Yeah 
but presently this is their lifestyle. So it's not, in this passage, somebody has gotten to the point that it's not about needing more evidence. It's not about needing more truth. It's not about they haven't contemplated it. It's they've settled into a lifestyle that they're burdened or they've heaped onto themselves sins and now they're led astray. They're impulse oriented to whatever passions. And then you see um, always learning, never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth. So they're learning, 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 always looking for something else to add to their kind of closet of theological knowledge, their acumen. But none of that is hold the power to push them away from their passions. And they're settled in that lifestyle. So that's when it gets to the point that you go, do I want to pass or throw pearls before swine? How do I use my time as a steward? Do I spend time with people who are settled in this? This is their lifestyle. Or do I pour myself into people, uh, young believers or non-believers into their lives? Because we only have so much time. And so I think with, I think it's liberating for Timothy because he, he not only knows now this is dangerous, but he also goes, at some point, you just walk away from some yeah. people. They're not in your church. They're in your households. They've been stepped away. They've been in- influenced by false teachers. And you don't chase people. Well, that's one of the remarkable things about Christ. He doesn't chase people. Yeah. And I think that spiritual leaders, healthy leaders, healthy people, you have to recognize at some point, I don't have to chase people. That's right. I'm, and then Jesus waits for those that the Father brings, actively engaged in ministry, recognizing the Father's bringing, not chasing people and wasting time. And pe- people might say, well, you know, it says, talking about going after the lost sheep. That is not the the context of what we're talking about no. here. Jesus is not going out and going, oh, please, 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 sheep, come, 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 let me come. The sheep yeah. respond, right? They're off, they hear truth, and they respond to it. And in Luke 15, in that passage, he's talking about in the publicans, uh, and sinners, the Pharisees were essentially saying they're not worth it. So he, Jesus, the first parable, uh, the coin, then the sheep. So there's think you, the coin's valuable to you. Yeah. A sheep is valuable to a shepherd. And the last parable of the lost son, the real, the point is the older brother. The Pharisees are like the older brother. He can't stand the fact that the father yeah. cares. But notice that the father never chases the son. The son goes away and then the son comes back. Well, and you think that Jesus is a good example of seeing this about how you interact with people that are perhaps consumed with novelty and not really concerned with the truth. You think about um, when the scribes and the Pharisees come to him talking about, well, what about this man who had a wife and he died and she married his brother? Yeah. And and they're trying to figure out, like you're saying, there's no resurrection. We're arguing about this. And Jesus has this opportunity to just, I mean, he could take him to school. And he basically says, you don't even know what you're talking about. Because yeah. I got no time for this nonsense, right? Kind of, um, um, Jesus, didn't, I can't say that Jesus said, I yeah. got no time for this nonsense. That's not in the text. But the idea is they're not really pursuing truth. They're yeah. pursuing novelty. They're trying to nitpick. They're trying to particularly catch him on something. Yeah. And I think that's an example for us to learn from. The people that you were mm. engaging yeah. with, even if they're talking about biblical things or things that they want to throw Jesus on or they want to act like are important and talk about them being kingdom things, what are they pursuing? Yeah. Are they pursuing novelty and something that's, you know, oh, well, it could be this. I, we talked about this just a little bit a minute ago. I get so frustrated why when people will try to sound all smart and they'll go, well, I'm not saying, I'm just saying it could be. Well, you're no use to me. Yeah. I'm trying to get to truth, right? So let's pursue the truth. And those kind of people, they get to the point to where they're full of conceit, always seeking after truth, but never getting to it. We all love self, yeah. as it sees earlier. Yeah. We're just talking about a special kind of loving of self. And we need to watch out for that. Yeah, there's a diabolical way that the flesh is promoting itself. And when it's dressed up in theological garb, it seems justified. There you go. And so I think that 
one of the things I try to do when I encounter somebody like that, or even my own life, when I'm kind of feeling that way, you have to practically and specifically turn the conversation, okay, how does this really encourage you in who Christ is? Or how does this change the way? Or how does this lead you into worship of who Christ is? So when you're talking about a theology issue, an issue of theology, and say, how does this make you inspired to worship Christ and take the air out of the academic in the room and turn it toward worship. Yeah. It's not adding one more thing to your mental Rolodex, but it is, okay, how does this make you stop and just stand in awe? Yeah. And I think that humbles oh, yeah. people because in the room, if you're talking about Christ, you're no longer the smartest guy in the room. Christ is. That's right. You're no longer the most insightful or caring. Christ is. Because if you're talking about Christ, everybody's leveled in the room. Yeah. That's one of the... Th I, this jumps back to me when people will ask me the question about the value of seminary. They might be wanting to go into ministry and they'll be like, well, is that something you do or something you don't? Is it? Do you have to do that? Well, no, you don't. But I'll tell people all the time, the value for me in seminary um, was not necessarily the work I did. I mean, newsflash, like higher education in general is organized reading. Like that's yeah, kind of, yeah. I'm not, I'm yeah. I tell people not to go to college or grad school, but that's what it is, is organized reading. But the value for me in my personal seminary experience was going to school with these guys who wrote the books. I mean, talking mm -hmm. about guys that have multiple PhDs. I had one professor that had four PhDs and he was in his 40s. Yeah, Thinking, yeah. when did you start? Like when you were yeah. 10? Um, but to hear them, the value was in being in class with them and to see these guys talk about sometimes very deep theologies or very even scientific things or whatever, and how all of that headiness turned into worship. Yeah. Like this is the aim. And it reminds you when you're a 20 something who's learning all this special stuff. But if you're here to get a big brain and be arrogant, yeah. you have missed the point. These guys are smarter than you're ever going to be. And they're using this intelligence to glorify God, right? You know, here in the classroom, that's how we should mm. do it with one another. And I think the best professors I've ever had, you never walked away saying you're predominant feeling was like they're just so smart you knew they were smart but you're constantly challenged with the reality they they had stuff they were smart they did the work but they recognize how little they really know about that's right everything about this or how it's humbled them to say i know so little or how it's humbled them to say isn't god overwhelming yeah. it, the bad professors i had were the people that acted like they really knew everything and yeah. didn't need to be taught anything else <laughs> and they were the worst yeah. it's just it's just the way it is yeah. like you're never going to know everything yeah not like and sometimes people will joke and i don't know if they're being just silly or if they really think this, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask all these questions and know all these things. Well, you're going to be doing that forever. Yeah. You are finite and will never comprehend who God yeah. is completely. Yeah. That's beautiful. Right? We love oh, that. Yeah. yeah, it's a glorious yeah. thing. Yeah. So I think one of the ways to avoid being a mark is when you're listening to somebody yeah. and you're taking in this information, ask yourself, what are they trying to accomplish? Like, yeah. what's going on here? Yeah. Um, and if you can yeah. see that sincerely, they're trying to make much of Christ, there's probably a good opportunity for you to open yeah. the door a little bit more. It's yeah. pretty easy to see the, uh, the, where the, the people that are trying to get in the weeds there. They're trying to get, get, make much of themselves. So they're pretty easy to point out. Well, I think over time, the trick is, is that because we don't hang out with people in a village, I don't see people during the week. Mm, so good show. no one can know. And you can turn it on, turn it off. Like if you're a TBN mm -hmm. personality, yeah. you can be Moses for 30 minutes. Yeah. Uh, so I think it it's becomes more tricky. But I do think in general, 
you know, if somebody in a ministry makes much of an individual and you don't see them regularly pointing the spotlight away and saying, I'm humbled by who Christ is or Christ is amazing or, or saying this text is really about Christ and ultimately that Sunday morning worship is really about about Christ. Yeah. If he's never mentioned, yeah. uh, if he's never the focal point, uh, you have a problem. Yeah, what are we doing? Yeah. yeah, you have a problem because someone's going to be the focal point. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. You know, maybe a good way for us to think about this too is we thought about, and you talked about not being a mark, maybe to think about proactive ways to go find your influences. Mm. So maybe if we're saying, watch yeah. out for people that yeah. aren't making much of Christ, don't let them have an influence. Yeah. Watch for people who do make much of Christ. Those people that yeah. you're around and you're like, there's yeah. something they're getting. Go let those people rub off on you, right? Find time to take those people out to lunch or get them in your home or whatever. Find those people because they've got something you want. Yeah, and I think you see that even where it talks about those who creep into households and capture weak women. The idea they go around the church authorities and mm -hmm. creep into the homes yeah. so that they kind of disconnect you from spiritual authority and go, okay, to counteract that in order to be informed or uh, not to be unprotected, as we said, I'm going to, when I'm thinking about something or exposed to a teacher, I'll ask a pastor, hey, what do you think about this guy? And ask why you think about yeah. this and ask about a text and why you think about this. It's just really important. Like, for example, somebody sent me a list this week, um, somebody who I'm concerned about and who's concerned after the message, they sent me a list of things that they pray for. So there's these 50 things that they pray, spiritual wow. prayers in warfare. But when you see the list, you go, this is a horrible list mm. because it's not rude in truth. But to their credit, they're going, hey, help me with this. Mm. And so I go, don't ever listen to that guy again mm. who sent this yeah. because he's terrible. Yeah. And I'm actually list some of them on Sunday so that you'll know it's, it sounds spiritual, but it's vacuous. The idea of praying against the devil and binding the devil and the idea that you just, it's just silly. Yeah. It, it, and I'm not saying the devil's silly. I'm not saying <laughs> praying yeah, silly. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying that if you bind the devil, like the basic questions, okay, how long does that prayer last? Yeah. Is it 24 hours? What's the expiration date? Uh, if I can bind the devil, wouldn't I bind the devil from the, the entire time. world? Yeah. Why wouldn't I just say, devil, you're bound yeah. in Jesus' name from the entire world? In other words, you don't have that authority. Yeah. It's just not something you've been given. But I think false teachers tell you that to make you feel better because then you go back to that false teacher who made you feel better because no other teacher is going to tell you that. Yeah, yeah. So it inspires you. And then he says, oh, by the way, um, I've told you that. And then he says, by the way, send an offering. And if you don't send this guy the offering, he's the one who's yep. told you that. Maybe you'll be ticking off God and yep. the enemy's after you. And so... There's this real diabolical nature of it. I, there's a good point I want to bring up out of that, too, because I think there could be a tendency for people to feel like, oh, I listened to this person. Turns out I shouldn't have been listening to this person. I'm a dope. Like, I can't even trust my own judgment sure, and all this sure, stuff or whatever, sure. right? And they feel bad. And there's a sense, well, yes, you need to develop discernment. But just like newsflash, Paul's writing to Timothy and telling him to watch yeah. out for this. Yeah. Timothy wasn't yeah. a dope, right? Like yeah. Paul said, this is something that can happen because 
There are people that have the gift of having a silver tongue. And then when you have people that have a good heart that want to know the Lord, they want to honor him, and they use that, the, 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 the false teachers use that language in such a way, there's something in you that's right that says, mm-hmm. well, that sounds good to me. I want to honor the Lord. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that you're dim-witted or something like that. I just, I, I've talked to a number of people that feel that mm-hmm. way, and they can never trust themselves. Well, you grow in the knowledge yeah. of truth. Yeah. Your discernment does get better. And remember, you're not by yourself. You do exactly what you said. Somebody sends you something yeah. to another brother or sister, to one of your pastors, and says, hey, help me out with this. And we grow through those experiences, right? You have to develop, I think, a, kind of a radar, a socius yeah. warning sense sense that um, – because who wants to talk bad about a church if a church is growing? Absolutely, you know, you yeah. go, thank the Lord. I'm yeah. so excited about that. And who wants to say, but he teaches that Christ is one way, or he teaches that uh, this is who Christ was, that as Christ was, so you are, and so you can become. So when you hear that type of stuff, somebody goes, hey, that sounds funny, but he seems so sincere. Uh, it seems like so many people are enjoying it. Who am I? Mm. And that's where I think you need other people and not just somebody, a pastor who say, oh, he's a nut, stay away from him. Yeah. But he says, he's a nut, let me tell you why. why? Yes. And he walks you through and then you develop that discernment based on biblical truth um, because the enemy is clever. Yeah. He's the angel of light. And so um, it, it, he wouldn't say avoid such people if it were easy to avoid such people. He says that's right. it's it's not easy. And that is iron sharpening iron. I mean, that's yeah. us working together with one another. Um, and then there's going to be things that perhaps you, you, you missed something like that and you knew there was something you wish you had greater discernment and somebody helps you figure that out. There's going to be ways you can be able to help those individuals that could see those things as well. Yeah, we're the, all working as a body together. To that's exactly. That. It answers the body because you can have somebody who's a pastor who says maybe he doesn't agree with the same thing as another pastor in one area, but he goes, that's not terrible. It's We can disagree. Yeah. Well, how do you do that if you're, if you're somebody new to the faith? How do you grade or weight certain subjects to go, this is something to be concerned about? Oh, this, for example, Presbyterians, we would say we disagree with them on baptism. Yeah. Okay, should I never listen to a Presbyterian pastor? We'd say, no, and let's help you. Let's walk through why we think that is. Okay, if somebody believes Jesus Christ is the best man ever, but he's not God with skin, is that a difference? Yeah, that's a completely different subject. Yeah. That is the difference between night and day. One, we would think they're wrong. Another, we think they're heretical. Yeah, that's right. And there's a big difference between the two. Yeah. In our day and age, we have to remember there is an ability, and the, the body of Christ has shown this over centuries, there is an ability to disagree on things, not simply things that are insignificant. Baptism is a significant sure. thing. Yeah. But there is a way in which we can disagree, we can love one another, and you can stand firmly in my belief. I can firmly disagree with a Presbyterian on their view of baptism. I would hope they would firmly disagree mm. with me on that. Yeah. And then we can love one another. Yeah. We can love the Lord. They're, we're just not going to fellowship regularly, weekly by weekly with one another because that's going to be an obstacle for us. Yeah. And then, as we like to say, one day when we get to glory, they'll find we're right. <laughs> yeah. We're yeah right. That was <laughs> uh, well, and that's but we've the, lost that art in the day that we live in. It, it's almost like we're yeah. afraid. If they disagree with me on something and I let them in, it's almost like it's going to rub off sure. on me and I'm not going to be able to stand firm in what I believe. Well, I think the people, when we mature, I think you recognize the ability to weight certain things. So, for example, I meet monthly with the guys in this county, pastors. Yeah. We got Lutherans, we got Presbyterians, we got different guys. Some I don't have a foggy clue what they are. Um, and so when things come up, we robustly talk about it. Um, and there's certainly at some level, my 
a fellowship with them would be affected. Yeah. But fundamentally, everybody in that group would claim that Christ is the only way they to create an orthodox standard of belief in what the gospel is. Now, as we get together, I'm finding out different things about them. So we would have different degrees of rightness and wrongness in my mind. But their gospel-believing, gospel-cherishing, God-centered, Christ-exalting ministries, yeah. as much as they know to be. And we get, we've got to learn to, I guess, get back into that when the world's telling us not to. heard an interesting story just recently. So this is secondhand story, so I can't put it up completely, but it came from a, a good source, was saying um, when Rush Limbaugh passed and they were giving over that time slot to somebody, there was an Atlanta, um, I guess an Atlanta radio figure that was offered the position. Mm. Um, but the catch was... He could no longer say anything good about Democrats and can no longer say anything bad about Republicans because, and mm. that sounds sounds really diabolical, but these yeah. people are just thinking from producer standpoint, they're thinking ratings, right? Yeah, yeah. And they said, because we found that the listeners won't buy that. They only want strong, committed, one way or the other, what, one side. And the guy, to his credit, said, well, you keep your time slot and I don't want the job, right? I'm not going to do that. But I think it's interesting yeah. that the producers have a vested interest in knowing that that's who we are as a listening yeah, public. Yeah. So we need to be aware of that as brothers and sisters, that we are in a world that is so divided yeah. that there's really no place for that. And as much as that might appeal to you when you're having a day where you want to just kind of be, I'm right and the world's wrong, mm. there's just not a lot of place for that in the kingdom. The Lord yeah. hasn't designed it that way. Yeah. So one day we'll all be right, but it's the other <laughs> side of the dirt. So there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> all right. Well, good stuff, bro. Look forward yeah. to the rest of it that we got coming up here this week um, and uh, looking at the rest of these texts and then moving on as we continue through Timothy and as we now start to get ready for Easter. Looking forward to that. Yeah, also, very much. Good times coming. Be good. So thank you for it. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for joining us um, on our episode here at Second Helpings. We'll be with you next week, Lord willing. Until then, you guys enjoy spreading God's fame and making disciples of Jesus Christ. We'll see you later.